That's forehead just, ain't much. That, excuse me, excuse me. That forehead is beautiful. Like that forehead, like that's like a landing strip. Listen, for cum. that landing strip is long gone. Yo, no. Wait, hold on. What did I miss? I never mind. Good lord, I don't even want to know. I'm not repeating. Thank that. you, John, for including this at the beginning. <laughs> And welcome to a special episode of Anime Club After Dark, the podcast that delves into all things anime, manga, and otaku culture related. I'm your host, Alex, but you can call me Senpai. And joining me tonight for our 2018 awards show, I have our Wizard of Wait What, Shinoda. It's already been a year? Yes, strangely. Our poser extraordinaire, Natai. <laughs> <laughs> Happy oh, New God. Year, everyone. I hope, I so hope that is your review of 2018. <laughs> I also hope the microphone actually picked that up and it gets, and, and John, please leave that in the recording. And last but not least, oh, Jesus Christ, how do I even be professional? Oh, Jesus Christ. And last but not least, our chivalry of Shota's Shotaro. I have nothing to say after that. I, how do you even? How do? Good lord, that's the best intro I think you've ever done. It's thank you, thank you. Oh god. So yes, as I mentioned, after that fart, we are indeed <laughs> doing our our 2018 award show. Yes, no, as as Chinoda mentioned, another year has come and gone. So it's time for us to argue about what was the best of the best of the best while leaving everyone else behind. So let's get right into it with our very first award, which is best. OP show. What did you choose? Why am I first on all of these? I chose because you were literally first in the dot. Oh yeah, that's right. Because all you're lazy or dumb or both. Okay, I chose. Wow, the uh, shots have been fired early. I chose Found and Lost, which was uh, the first OP from Banana Fish by the artist Survive Said the Prophet. Um, and I chose this because not only is the song a banger, but I think it really encapsulates the um, emotions of the main character, Ash, in that it's super desperate and wild and out of control. And like you can really feel the emotion and the um, craziness of the singer as he like flails vocally. And you can see the people flailing um, on the screen as they're trying to uh, struggle for their life. So I really like, uh, I found that very, I found that that song uh, resonated with me really well and I liked how it was uh, done. So yeah. Not enough bananas though. (laughs) Girl, did you see the, did you see the banana eating scene? You probably didn't. No, there was was there actually a banana eating scene. Yes, there was. Oh my. Yes, there was. Also, I I actually was kind of going back and forth on this for my choice for best OP. I would like to point out that even the title, Found and Lost, is a great reflection of the character of Ash. Honey. Is he playing hide and seek? too deep for me. Oh, honey. Wow. Um, In a way. (laughs) Um, 
If that's a yeah. sexual innuendo, then yes. Yeah, hmm. it, it, it's a good OP. Not 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 a bad choice. All right. <clears throat> so my uh, choice for this award is my boy Hiroyuki Sawano, bi- Binary Star, which was the, the OP goat. to Legend of the Galactic Heroes, the new thesis encounter, which is a very wordy title. I agree. Um, I love, first of all, this OP is in English, kind of. Um, if you can actually me. understand what I'm saying. <laughs> Um, but just the music by Hiroyuki Sawano is just absolutely gorgeous as just about everything that Hiroyuki Sawano does is. Um, I also thought that this particular song itself really complemented the visuals, which are absolutely gorgeous in the OP. Um, and I mean, it's Hiroyuki Sawano. Like, why not? I really wish that he'd done the rest of the music in the show, but... They didn't have this the was all we to got him, him for all that. Yeah, they didn't have. Yeah, they blew all their budget on the stellar fucking CGI. No, all intended. the Sawana, all the Sawana drops just hit their budget too hard. Yeah, <laughs> 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 yeah. Binary is 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 a great op. Uh, great visuals, great music, and even with the questionable English lyrics, it was still good. It fit. It fit the whole like. It, it fit the style of this remake of Legend of the Galactic Heroes really well. So yeah, that's my choice. Jinoda, what did you pick? I picked here by uh, Juna, if that's how you say it. I, I assume that's how you say it. Uh, from the Ancient Magus Bride, the um, first OP they had. It's I picked it because it's rather memorable to me. Like Even after a full year later, this was at the beginning of the year uh when they first aired it i still remember it and like it invokes the same feelings it did to me back then and i find that rather amazing and honestly it's just it's a feels good song uh to me personally so that's why i picked it i'd like to point out that i still haven't watched this even though you begged me to you're not missing out on anything He's, He's missing out on everything. <laughs> Natai, what did what? you pick? Yes, Natai. Well, I told myself that I'll try and keep the JoJo Awards to a minimum. So I said, okay, I'll pick something else. Um, because, yeah, Fighting Gold is a masterpiece and all, but let's go with something else. So, Zombieland Saga had a pretty good OP with Adabana um, yes. Necromancy. That OP is just fun it's the definition of fun like the art style is just super cool stylized and it's like it really reminds me of triggered to be honest and it's just so fucking weird and i love all the like little touches that it has like the zombie dancing and like how it sort of like um foreshadows certain events that happens in the show but in a very like subtle way and like the ending, like the ending part of this OP is just batshit and say like it's pretty much Power Rangers the anime. And it is. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah, and I love it. And like the sound effects are so dumb. And Sakura's little monologue at the beginning is just I, I love it. I mean, I know some people are kind of irritated by it, but it's like I don't know it's cool. I like it. Yeah, like this is our technically, saga. Technically, 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 the OP changes with every episode because the monologue is different. No, it's the same one. Is it real? I thought the I thought the no, monologue it was slightly it different. No, it doesn't. It doesn't change time. the monologue, as far as I noticed. 
Not that I've noticed. I'm pretty I sure was, it's the same. I always throughout. thought it was different because I really wasn't paying attention to what was being said, just that there were words being said. Yeah. And again, like, there were a ton of good OPs this year. Like, I mean, for, for real, it's been a really good year for, like, awesome OPs. But this one is, like, I just really enjoyed it. Just super cool. There were there were some top top quality OPs this year. It was actually this is probably one of the most difficult categories to for me to choose personally. Like there were there was some, some great stuff. Um, the two I thought the two Overlord OPs that we got this year were all pretty good. Mm. Um, I mean, Kiss of Death, Darling the Franks, that was pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. I know you'll disagree, but I was very torn in deciding whether to nominate Devilman Crybaby OP. But I it's a good Manifish. OP. Disgusting. Devilman had a fantastic OP. It nope. did, it did. There was a lot of hard... It, we all took a while to uh, pick these choices because, holy shit, there were a bunch we had to really think about. Also, oh my god, I, before we move on, I got I got to point this out. We also got to hear Daisuke Ono sing in the Cells at Work OP. That was all <laughs> I needed to hear. And <laughs> all right. We can't forget to mention uh the Attack on Titan OP, which was beautiful. Beautiful. But <sighs> you didn't nominate. <clears throat> anyway, moving on to our next award, which is Best ED Show. What did you pick? Okay, this is like no competition. It's obviously Hydra by Myth and Royd from Overlord 2 because it's <laughs> basically the artist Myth and Road, Myth and Royd. Um, Myth and Road? <laughs> yes, Myth and Road to my heart. Um, <laughs> Role playing as Albedo and just like Pretty whispering much. in your ear saying like, I love you. And I'm like, oh my god, this is, this is everything I wanted. And it's literally so sensual and so uh, like creepy at the same time, which is what I love, which is what I come for with Overlord. It's so moody. Um, so <laughs> Emphasis I, on I, come for. <laughs> yes, I absolutely love this ED. And I'm, yeah. Uh, l- listen, I think when when you look at the, these awards for best OP and ED, you just think, okay, what did Myth and Roy do this year? Okay, nominate, 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 nominate. I mean, he's not wrong. <laughs> I know he loves Myth and Roy, which is uh, it perfectly acceptable. Can you blame him? Myth and Roy too. No, I love Myth and Roy too. Um, and and not a bad choice. It's a, it's a great song. Just even by itself, it's a really great song. Um. But yeah, so the ending I picked is actually an, an ED from a movie. It's Viator by Rionos, which is the ED for the movie Machia, When the Promised Flower Blooms. Now, from this point on, you're going to see a really big pattern in the awards I give out because a lot of them are going to go to the same damn thing. I just want to <laughs> anyway. note that I feel you're somewhat cheating by picking a movie. No, he's not. It came out no, in 2018. No, I'm not. It's, it's, listen, it is just as legitimate as any series. I gave a uh-huh. song voice the best soundtrack of last year, even though it's a movie. Deal with it. That's and true. That was a That's cheating, true. too. No, it's, All y'all no, cheating. it's not. But the reason I picked this is there's actually not a whole lot of visuals that go along with this OP because it plays over the closing credits of ED. the movie. Or, excuse me, yeah, ED, excuse me. Over the closing credits of the movie. Um, but the reason I chose this is specifically for the music itself, because 
Machia, I'm not not to spoil anything, but Machia itself is a feels trip, and this song starts playing immediately after the final scene, which is a fucking feels gut punch right to the fucking just throat, honestly. And it just the music itself is incredibly sad and, and melancholic and it just when you're in a theater full of like people who are bitch crying, um, it really sends it home. <laughs> that how fucking appropriate this song is but um again not to spoil anything the title of the song itself is viator which means traveler in latin and it's very very appropriate to the actual theme of the movie and that's why i chose it because while i was i was already having stream streams of tears going down my face this song just made me start bitch crying in the middle of a crowded theater <laughs> You would. Anyway. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> well, to be heart. fair to him, That's everyone why. else uh, was uh, bitch crying also, apparently. so. Oh, yeah. That theater was full, like like three quarters of the theater was like just in absolute tears. God, f- fucking. If you haven't seen Machia yet, do it. Please do it legally if you can because this movie deserves like your money. But anyway, Chinoda, what did you pick for Best ED? I picked Silent Solitude uh, by OXT. Uh, which was the Overlord Season 3's uh, ED. To me, it was... After an cool. episode of uh, Overlord Season 3, just listening to that song, like, have it settle down. It's like... It's that tea you have after you eat a meal. It's just satisfying way to end it. It's. I did. I. I did not know you were going to be so wholesome about that analogy. I'm what did you now. think I was going to say? I thought you were going to say like tea after sex, and I'm like, what? Okay. What the fuck has tea after sex? Like what? I don't. But <laughs> who does that? Maybe if you're British, like I don't know. Um... But <laughs> moving on. Moving on. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You need. You need so to drink if... that tea after eat. After you eat that biscuit. Wink. Thank Soggy you. Soggy biscuit. <laughs> but um, it. no, it was something rather nice uh, for people to wind down with, and it was beautiful visuals. It sounded fantastic. It was characteristically another Overlord uh, ED. It was just really freaking great, and that's why it's my choice for best uh, ED of the year. All right. Cool, uh, cool. I, I would also like to, to point out OXT also went on to do a remake of You May No Hero for uh, Quadruple S Gridman, nice. which was really good. It's oh, a it song that fantastic. plays during the final fight. Baby, dun, dun. <laughs> dun, dun. Oh, they're great. They, they make good stuff. Yeah. Natai, <clears throat> right, what Natai. was your choice? Natai. There's only one choice. I've said it at the beginning of the year and it still stands. Wink, wink. Um... <laughs> March comes in like a land season two had like March comes in like a land always had like good OPs and good EDs, but the last ED of second season, I am standing by Ruan, was beautiful. Like damn, that's a beautiful ED. Like even like the song in itself is fucking awesome. Like the vocals are incredible, but the visuals just bring it to a whole other level. Like this yeah. sort of watercolor and like visuals it had and just the entire like melancholic but somewhat uplifting feels 
it gave me it just so spot on it's so perfect for the show it's amazing it's also it's the, i'd like to point out when you speak of those visuals like it starts out kind of dark but by mm-hmm. the end it's very brightly it's so colored. colorful and oh it's so it's the best idea of this show it, so far it's, it's so it, it's so brilliantly mirrors ray's like emergence from his depression yeah it's so it's good so good yeah easy easy I'll, pick also, I'd like to point out you put out on this doc. Shout out to the last game from yeah, Steinskin yeah, Zero. Just also wanted, phenomenal. That's, that's what that's what was probably my runner up because it's not like Steinsgate ever had like good EDs, but the last game is brilliant. It's so good. It's so like desolate and dark and oh, it's so good. I wish the show was as good as that ED, but yeah. All right. Anyone else have any more um, honorable mentions before we move on to the next award? Uh. Nothing particular for me. All right, then. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay. okay. Um, so the next award is Best Soundtrack. Now, Show and Shinoda both erroneously picked what? Devil Man. Cry, baby. <laughs> I like that little visual cue you tried to give, like, finish it, finish it, finish it. <laughs> I, was, man, I was about man. to give up on him halfway. I, I had but to. You did it. I'm so I had proud. to work my voice up. I couldn't just like say "crybaby." No, I had to. I had to put emphasis on it. Okay. To do with them zass. So yeah, um, it was like uh, trance club music, and that's my hashtag aesthetic. Um, and you don't get that a lot in anime. And I wish there was more of that. <clears throat> Panty and like, stocking. Hmm. I wish it was more of that um, kind of electronic music, um, kind of like blasting in your face, where you can't even hear anything. All you hear is the beats banging, and I'm like, "Yes, I don't care what you're saying. Just bang those beats." I'm like, <laughs> "Yes, Queen, honey, yes, okay." <laughs> so that's what, like, that's everything I want from an OST, and I never get it. So once you like drip that electronic. Ugh, then I just can't Whoa. get enough. Yep. What I personally Devil. specifically like about the soundtrack in Devilman Crybaby was the fact that it floats it floats together so well with the visuals. Part to part, you could uh, have a visual and the soundtrack matches it beautifully. Like, action scene, it works. Uh, the club scene, oh my god, the club scene. It was fantastic. They really made sure to have it flow really smoothly and very ad- abruptly. And I appreciate that. They really put effort, and if you pay attention, you can actually notice it. And that's one of the reasons uh, I appreciate the soundtrack for Devilman Crybaby. It it works together so well. Also, Devilman Ota is a good meme. Yes, uh, yes that, I love this that. Is true. Yeah. Hold on, I gotta go brush my teeth, get that taste out of my mouth. Oh my god, you petty baby. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Literally, no, listen, I I know no one here is gonna agree with me, but the fucking music in Devilman Crybaby is literally simple. In, you don't even have to know anything about music to make that kind of music. I'm All sorry, right, old don't. man, what did you pick? Just tell us already. <laughs> <laughs> so... Speaking of actual aesthetics, like legitimate aesthetics, I picked the soundtrack to Megalo Box. Okay, so one an anime that I love specifically for its music from a little while ago is a um, 
an anime called Samurai Champloo. Now that 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 anime had like a very hip hop sort of I won't say rap, but very urban inspired soundtrack. Lo-fi. And that is exactly it that is exactly rap, what we got. Huh? It was rap though. I Okay, it was it was it was rap, but it was more old school rap than anything new. No, no, nothing compared to this garbage it, that's around nowadays. No. Well, yeah, it's certainly not, it's certainly not gangster rap. It's certainly like like late '80s, early '90s rap for sure. But um, it's more. I would say it's more hip hop. At least Samurai Champloo was more hip hop inspired than rap inspired. But um, Megalobox kind of brought that with it too, along with its very um, urban aesthetic as well, like rundown urban aesthetic that Megalobox had with its art style. I thought that the the OST fit this very perfectly, especially being a sports anime about a a form of boxing that it it I think it just really hit home the actual themes of the show. And then you actually you got in one of the episodes, I think it was episode ten or eleven, I can't remember the episode number now, but you actually got to hear one of the characters in the show do like a rap to the uh, beat of like the main theme of the show, and it was absolutely phenomenal. There was a lot of people that said it was really out of character for him, but I didn't care. Like the the beat was sick and the song was good, so I didn't care. I thought that just the way they utilized hip hop and and rap beats throughout the, the run of the show really fit into the aesthetic that they were trying to portray. Natai, what did you choose? Actually, you couldn't you couldn't decide, so you chose two. No, I didn't choose two, because I couldn't make my mind up until this very second. JoJo Part 5 Golden Win has the best soundtrack of this year and will have the best soundtrack of 2019. Fucking fight me. <laughs> God damn, do I love this soundtrack. It's so good. It builds on previous parts. It adds so much new good shit. I just love it. Just... Give me more songs where I can hear just a bunch of manly men say, Joe, Joe, and I'll be good. I'm so hyped for this soundtrack, and I can't wait to hear more of it when the season goes on for next year. Or this year, you know, actually. Yeah, Natai, you know what it is? It's what is it? vocal percussion on a whole, whole other, other level. level. Coming, Coming from, from my, my mind. mind. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm done. Uh, it, it, it's a good choice, man. This God. This, they keep having the same group of people come back to do this music, and it's it's all works out so well. It's so good. God, I love all this right. show. All right. So um, I, I do want to mention, because you actually wrote this down as your kind of your second choice, but it's definitely an honorable mention for yeah, me. For uh, sure. Violet Evergarden's OST. Oh, my God. It's beautiful. It's it is. so good. Never before have I heard a typewriter use as a legitimate musical instrument, but my God, do they make it work. Mm-hmm. Um, good shit, good shit. It is. Uh, I wouldn't listen to this soundtrack if you're feeling particularly sad or suicidal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <no>. don't. <laughs> Definitely, like soundtrack to a suicide. A by lot of, A lot of good insert songs in that soundtrack, by the way. Oh, great insert songs! Oh my god, just everything about the music in Violet Evergarden is just so good. Also, even the character themes are so good. Also, um. Steins Gate Zero had a pretty good soundtrack. Gates of Steiner was a yeah. solid song, but yeah. Oh, and especially the uh, the the music that plays during uh, Okabe's resurrection. Yeah, that's pretty good. In Kyoma. That's that was a good, good piece of music too. Anyway, all right. Now we move on to our first joke award of the night. <clears throat> joke award. This is, award? This is aw- serious. What are you? Okay, talking this is about? actually this is actually serious business, but. 
This is the To Be Award for Best Booty, sponsored by the Church of Thientology. If you're not a member of the church, you really should go join it. Facebook.com slash Church of Thientology. Best plug. <laughs> I know, best plug. <laughs> All right, show. who did you pick for Best Booty? I mean, if this was uh, an award for the hottest girl, I would have chosen Albedo, but it's not, so it's the it's the award for <laughs> Big's booty. So I choose uh, Albedo because she's both. <laughs> um, and how can you deny? Like, what part of Albedo is not the best, really? Um, and especially the booty, because like she got slits on her freaking uh, dress around her hip. Like, you can see it all. So I don't know how you can even argue that Albedo has got everything. Albedo, yeah. best succubus forever. Oh, absolutely. Albedo is half the reason I fucking love Overlord. Are you kidding me? Yes. The other half is Bone Daddy. No. <laughs> <laughs> like, like Einsama, how are we going to get through this? Oh, don't worry, I got this. I won't have to do a damn thing. Sasuga. <laughs> Sasuga, I'm summer. The, the only thing I would say about Albedo for uh, Best Booty is I wish they showed it, show it more. Like, they barely show it off. She got the goods. They don't are really you actually, show it, though. Are you actually advocating for more fan service in anime? Hell fucking yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I admire the honesty. Yeah, I just the honesty is just very admirable. All right, so myself, um, I chose a character uh, who ended up becoming probably more known for her thighs than her ass, but those thighs are attached to a phenomenal ass too. That is Rika Takarada from SS SS Gridman. <laughs> Listen, this character. Uh, first of all, if you haven't seen uh, Loliconic's video of Rika from this fall. Please go watch it. I'll actually link it down below because that's it, it's it's funny. Um, but th this this character literally became known for her thick thighs, and why? Because the fucking director of the anime said you can do anything you want with this character as long as she has a big ass and thick thighs. I'm like, that no is joke. a man. This is actual thing. Yeah, this is an actual thing that happened. Like, and this is this is like a man of pure culture. Like, this man needs to go into the fucking thigh hall of fame right here. That man is after my own heart, is what he is. Yes. Anyway, that, that's why I chose Rika. Um, that's really it. Jonota, <laughs> who did you pick? Zero Two's red, delicious apple-like ass. Oh my god. Now we color. need to point out we need to point out we are not talking about Ea too who you should definitely not loot in any way whatsoever because she is precious. No, we we are talking about this Pokemon's second form, Zero Two. The evolution to Ao Two. Her evolved form. <laughs> this is her this is her second of three evolutions. The third is to a giant space woman. Listen, I am gonna stick by that theory that she's a fucking Pokemon and no one can convince me otherwise. It's triggers it's triggers clever Pokemon crossover anime. But yeah, just staring at Zero Two's ass as she's piloting. Oh my god. <laughs> 
go into caveman okay. mode when I see that okay, ass. Okay, re- re- reel it back just a little bit, man. I can't. Have you seen that ass? <laughs> All right, now, Natai, you might have chosen so probably the most tell you entertaining. Let entertaining. me tell you a story about a little show called JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Again. <laughs> this show has a thing called stands. They are spirits that punch people. Okay? Okay. They're punching ghosts. Punching ghosts. Now, one of them is one ghost that goes by the name of Moody Blues. Okay. That's pretty cool design you got there, Moody Blues. Oh, you have a te- you sound like a telephone. Sure, I'm into that. And then and then and I'm not kidding, I'll even send a link. Boom. I've sent it in the chat so all of you can see it has this big ass that no one expected. <laughs> and I don't know about you, but this is the best booty I've seen this year. So this is my pick. Damn. I'll all right. It's loading out. for me. Yeah, by the way, you sent us a dead link. Fucking A. <laughs> Send me another Just one. Qualified. I want to see this ass. Uh, but yeah, I, um, I, I do want to point out, so you and I have been doing these JoJo Part 5 reviews, which, by the way, you should definitely go check out if you are a JoJo's fan. Um, you all should. That, that angle that you see Moody Blues at when Moody Blues is first introduced, not <laughs> yeah. from the manga. <laughs> All you see is the fucking ass right in your face, and it's like, God damn it, David Productions, what are you doing? There, I've sent a new link. It should work. Enjoy the <laughs> enjoy the booty. There you go. <laughs> oh, that's an ass. Yeah, good choice, Nzai. Good choice. Thank you, thank you. Oh, man. All right, so moving on to our next award. Next award we're doing is Best Art Style. Show, what do you got? I got the unique and um, uh, show that will show up a lot in this award show, Devil Man Cry Baby, um, because I believe the art director was... Not the art director. The actual director was... um, not bound by production committee because he worked directly for Netflix. So he had, so he was able to do something that's not of what you would typically see in anime. And you definitely uh, see the results in the show because it really seems more Western than Japanese in that the style is a li- like, it's less focused on the details of the characters and more focused on um the movements of the characters and it's very like free form like sometimes like characters melt into the scenes and the scenes it's melt very into liquid. things it's very trippy which is exactly the feel of the, <laughs> of what the anime is trying to show um very similar to the soundtrack um if you watch the show high as fuck you're gonna have one hell of a time i'll say oh, that this is a great show to <laughs> watch high amazing um but yeah i really liked it because it took an interesting route to um the style of animation and i think it did it well yeah i will say i will say one thing you're absolutely right about in there is it is unique (laughs) 
doesn't mean that it's good, though. Yes, it does. <laughs> I'll argue that it looks good. It looks right. different. I'll say that, and that they have that going for them. If nothing I'll, else, I'll, I'll give you that. It's different. It's unique and different. I still don't like it. <clears throat> I I would argue that the only proper way to watch Devilman Crybaby is high as a fucking kite. Hater. <clears throat> hey, fuck you. <laughs> All right, so Chinoda, you and I have actually chosen the same show. Ah, uh, yes. Good old Violet Evergarden. Yes. All right, so I want to I want to preface this by saying that the I actually got to see the first episode of Violet Evergarden uh at Anime Expo 2017. Uh where we went to the Violet Evergarden panel and they showed us the first episode at the end of it. Uh, I was fucking hype as hell for this from the very first time I saw this. Uh, Partially because of the art style that was shown off in that first episode. That art style is pretty much the same throughout. Um, It's KyoAnnie at their... I would honestly say that that Violet Evergarden is KyoAnnie at their best art-wise. One of the great things that you actually get to see in that first episode and throughout when when you actually get to see water is the fucking beautifully animated water in Violet Evergarden. It's just, oh, so gorgeous. Um, and the fact that, um, and I'm going to talk about this later with another award that I'm giving out, but, like, all of the characters have a very unique style to them, and it's just something that's really, well, I won't say impossible because clearly it's not. It's something you don't see a lot in anime where every character like has their own unique style and like it's just it's so good to see it's not so impossible to do that it's just more difficult to do it is it's a lot of work and they put in the effort which which is most definitely appreciated yeah it's just oh god the art style in violet evergarden is just it, I got, it's kill any at their best. That's, that's literally the, the all I can say about this is like this is the best looking thing that kill any has ever done, and they've done some pretty good looking shit in the past. Anyway, Natai, what did you pick? I picked Megalobox because yes, that art style just uh, does it for me, man. Man, do I love how older anime used to look, but this show sort of went out of its way to sort of. Gave it, it gave itself like a handicap with how it looked and said, Yeah, we're going with this. And it, it looks phenomenal. I just, I, I just, I love how it looks. It's it just, it's old school, but it's, it's still like one of the best looking shows of the year. And I would say I it paid it. off in the fact that it ended up looking like that. It paid off, uh, yeah, in popularity and in people liking it, just because it was an older style anime already, and they decided to yeah. say let let's go with the older visuals also, and it helped it out in the long run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Like they went with the old style storytelling, and they went with an old art style, which mm-hmm. I think in the end ended up helping it. Yeah, I think. It... Well, one thing I, I do want to point out about Megalobox is the beautiful background animations were like. Yeah, Great, the background it, art is awesome. It, it, it really makes, is. It, it, it really, because the show itself sort of takes place in this sort of dystopian-looking city, and the background art just drives that home so well. Modern anime is, like, usually super lazy with it. its background art. At least that's what I feel. And it's so refreshing to see a show that's, like, gone just extra overboard and was like, yeah, we're going to 
we, we're gonna make this look great even though it's just background art because it does matter yeah yeah for sure so yeah all right any uh any um honorable mentions that anyone has for our style um, <laughs> yeah Jojo part five <laughs> that's a pretty good art style too <laughs> all right so the next award we have is for best directing uh show what did you pick well um <clears throat> first of all the category is very vague but i picked the legend of the galactic heroes the new thesis encounter which is the first of like a bajillion different sequels but we're, we're not gonna deal with that um but the there's um a common problem in anime when you have a source material that is um of any size really but especially if it's very large um and then you get you know the typical 12 episode adaptation and then what happens is they cram as much as they can in and it's just a mess and it ends up really shitty and they skip over stuff or they go over stuff really fast and you know it's just it's stupid why did you bother doing it if you're gonna do it like that now the galactic heroes approached um this conundrum of having a huge source material and only a 12 episode run differently in that they didn't give a fuck about adapting shit they were just like we're gonna adapt this at our own pace and i don't care if we don't finish it we're just gonna adapt it at our own pace and i'm like thank you if you're gonna do something, at least do it right. Don't give me a stupid ass shitty project product. Um, just like whatever you can animate, like animate it properly. And it was so much more uh, better because they did that. Like they compared to the um, first OVA, which actually did skip over a lot of stuff from the source material and did kind of. Um, uh, fall into those pit holes this new uh tv series didn't they took their time they um went through each scene they gave each character the the amount of time they needed to properly explain what they're doing and everything made sense yes it didn't end properly because you know they only had 12 episodes but you know, the story that they did they did tell was really, um, actually made sense and was really interesting. So I will give this award to the Galactic Heroes because the director was able to manage a really big source material uh, properly, at least for these, like, 12 episodes that they did. Yeah, uh, and it's worth pointing out that this isn't the end of the adaptation. There is going to be more. Allegedly. Allegedly. Honey, I don't, I don't believe any promises from the anime industry. <laughs> Probably for the best. All right. So I ended up choosing for best directing Makia when the promised flower blooms. So this, uh, this anime movie was directed by Mari Okada, who did the script writing for Anohana, which is another <laughs> anime, which if you haven't seen it, uh, go see it. She also did the script writing for the movie as well. Um, she did the script writing and the uh, series composition for Mobile Suit Gundam Iron-Blooded Orphans. Hello. Um, she, uh, she's, she's a great writer. She's a great script writer. Um, she also worked on a lot of episodes of Toradora. Um, she also did series composition for that. Um, but for Makia, uh, well, I also have to point out that she was also the series composition or composer for... The Lost Village, which we'll kind of gloss over. 
and she was the creator of Kia's Niver, which we'll also gloss over. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> but no, so when it came to Makia, she was not only the um, the writer, she was the uh, chief storyboard artist and the director, and she was also a co-producer on the anime. This is also her directing debut. Uh, she absolutely hit it out of the park. It's a very emotional story. It's told through uh, a really complex lens of how basically showing how over time in, uh, a certain type of immortality can actually be more of a burden than it is an actual uh, help to anyone that has it. Um, also, just the way that there's two different, re- there's really two different story threads that kind of diverge halfway through the movie, and it, that's played out really, really well, especially how they come back together at the end. And it's just, it, it's hard to believe that this is when I got out of the theater after I stopped bitch crying, um, it was really hard to believe that I'd only been in there for an hour and 50 minutes. Uh, it felt like I had just got finished watching a 12 episode anime that, I mean, that's, that's what it, that's how like big the story is. that was told in a very compressed comparatively compressed amount of time. And I think that's absolutely wonderful that, it was able to be done like that. Um, and if this is her directorial debut, uh, I say I cannot wait to see what comes next for her. Um, worth mentioning that uh, Makoto Shinkai said that it was the best anime movie he'd ever seen. So take that for what it's worth. I mean, the man that man only made the highest grossing anime movie of all time. Yeah, that's that's why I chose Machia. Um Fucking go watch it in its eye. I will. I will. I need to recover from Anohana. <laughs> you'll never recover from Anohana. Yeah, you'll never <laughs> recover from Anohana. God that's gonna it. that's gonna be a scar that's gonna be with you for the rest Fuck of your you life. Fuck you, Secret Base. Oh. <laughs> All right, Chinoda, what did you pick for best directing? A place further than the universe. Uh, anime. I honestly felt like it was underrated because holy crap no it it wasn't everyone loves it (laughs) yeah i had to say it's got like a really it's like an 8.6 or something on mal i mean i think a lot of people liked it a lot of people liked it but not a lot of people talk about it unfortunately is the thing and i wish more people would have uh talked about it because it looks fantastic it uh the production on it, the directing uh, specifically, it was out of this world to say the least. The choices uh, the uh, director made uh, for the anime, it really yeah. showed off. It showed, uh, hey, why don't we uh, do this over here? And it pays off to do that. And it helped with the characters and their interactions rather well i would say not to mention the uh build up uh, everything led up to and I-, I felt the directing uh done on that it was fantastic because of that all right there's yeah. that dog again <laughs> natai shoot that dog okay i'll be back <laughs> oh, whoa. No. whoa let's not <laughs> We here at Anime Club After Dark do not condone violence against animals. Especially dogs. Uh, uh, anyway, 
I guess anyway, yeah, Natai, what did you choose I'll, for best director? Yeah, I'll share my pick. Um, Violet Evergarden. It's a show that I held off on watching for a long time. I just wasn't ready for it. I was like, I'll just wait. I need to be in the right um, mindset for it. And yeah, it's incredible. The directing was phenomenal. Like the show knew like, because here's the thing. Anime tends to do a whole lot of talking instead of just showing you. Because hey, guess what? It's a visual media, right? And a lot of anime kind of fall to the trap of exposition and just, you know, not shutting the fuck up. But Kind of like that dog. Bro- like that dog, exactly. <laughs> Fucking 2am and it's not gonna shut up. Anyway, and it just knew how to, like, show you so much about how the characters felt through its visuals. And it did it flawlessly, in my opinion. So yeah, Valid was a phenomenal ride. So yeah, I agree with everything you said. It's just that dog. Oh my god. <sighs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, the directing in Violet Evergarden was just gorgeous. You're right. Uh, all right, moving on. So the next award we have is the Hitagi Crab Award for Best Individual Episode Show. I really, I wish you luck in not spoiling anything. I was about to say, how am I going to talk about these awards without spoiling stuff? Wait, can I actually not spoil it? I was planning on giving a spoiler alert and then spoiling it. I mean, okay, so yeah. <laughs> how, can I say, talk about the say, best, how can I talk about an episode okay, and not so, talk about the episode? All right, so say what show it is and then what episode and then spoiler. Okay. Um, uh, before that, I just would like to say that this the name of this award is a misnomer, but I will be talking about... Uh, Attack on Titan 3, Episode 7. So, spoilers for that if you have not watched it. The award is it. named after Episode 12 of Bucky and Mon got one of the best episodes ever. Fight me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> nope. Uh, I, I will back him up. You're about to get a fucking black eye. <sighs> oh, God. Anyways, so, you've been awarded. So, I, <laughs> I liked this episode um, because... Well, um... The first half of the episode, you have um, Levi and Levi's bitches uh, breaking into the <laughs> underground cave. I don't know, whatever. They're the hoes, whatever. They break into the underground cave, and you have this awesome fight scene with all flying around the cave and the shooting explosions and like what, like you know, what do you call those things? Not not flash grenades. Fireworks. Uh, Flashbang. Yeah, kind of like fireworks. Flares. Flares. Yes, flare guns. Lots of flare guns. You know, you can't see anything. You know, Spider-Man shit. Love it. Okay, that's basically Attack on Titan in general. But what makes this a particular episode even better is um, after the whole Spider-Man shit, you have um, this amazing scene of Historia um, being pressured by her father to um, eat Aaron. (laughs) And... Uh, this must sound really weird to some, to someone like Alex who has not seen Attack on Titan. I know, it doesn't season. sound weird at all. It sounds like something that Attack on Titan would do. <laughs> oh, honey, we'll just wait until the time traveling raptors. Oh, honey. But, no. The fuck? <laughs> <That's just> the- <laughs> We're not going to go into that. Okay. <laughs> but, no, um, in episode seven, um, Historia Rice is trying to eat Aaron and she's like, fuck it, daddy. I don't give two fucks about you. She throws the syringe down. She's like, fuck you. I'm going to unchain my boyfriend. But- 
And then she goes to unchain Aaron, and Aaron's like, no, I don't deserve this girl. I'm a motherfucker. I don't give two fucks. And Aaron's, like, breaking down. And I'm like, oh, this is such a great character moment for both Historia because... (laughs) (laughs) Because... Because she finally has her own will, and she's like, I don't give two fucks. I don't do what I want. And then Aaron, because he finally, um, like, stopped being a fucking brat and fucking (laughs) stopped being... (laughs) so full of himself and he's like you know what i'm a pretty shitty person i should die you should eat me so i like both those things plus it was so epic plus he is shirtless and chained to a fucking rock hello can i just say one thing what this entire conversation i've been thinking about this one sentence (laughs) it's his ass what a great character moment Also, I'd like to point out, even to someone who hasn't seen Attack on Titan Season 3, oh my god, Aaron got chained up again? What a shock. He's <laughs> fucking useless. Oh my god, I love it. Hashtag reverse uh, rescue the princess trope. Oh my god, it's like literally physically Isn't that just a reverse rescue, the, rescue prince the princess trope. He gets rescued by so many princesses. I love it. I honestly, hashtag refreshing. Um, <laughs> literally, hashtag literally more useless than Aqua. <laughs> Hashtag whoa feminism. there, whoa there. Yes, that's... yes, queen. Okay, no, but um, I just want to say I want uh, there will be a figure of the scene, and I want it. um that that will close my description. <laughs> wait, wait, of, of which scene when Historia eats his ass? <laughs> oh yes, queen. I wish no. Um, just him being chained up, you know. Oh okay, that's that's good. Oh, that'll be like the 18th figure that he's been chained up in, right? <clears throat> Next episode. So. Okay, so my choice for this uh, Best Individual Episode Award is one I don't even need a spoiler alert for because it's literally the first episode of a show. Um, So, and quite frankly, by this point, if you haven't at least heard about this episode, you live under a rock. Um, So my choice for Best Episode... Or you, yeah, wow. Um, my <laughs> choice for this episode is episode one of Goblin Slayer. Now, I picked this not because I particularly thought it was like a, a great episode, but I picked it for what it was able to do. So Goblin Slayer got almost everyone in the anime, like, fandom, so to speak, talking about it, whether they were they thought it was absolutely atrocious or they thought it was absolutely wonderful. I was on the, the side that thought it was absolutely wonderful. Yes, it has a rape scene, and yes, it's gratuitously violent. Yes, it, it, it introduces this absolutely over-the-top OP character who barely ever says anything throughout the entire episode, but you know what? It made me love the premise, it made me love all the characters in it, and it made me want to actually see this through the end to see if it would stay that way um i think that if you can have a very first episode of a show that gets this many people talking about it whether they're talking about it for good or for bad i think overall that's a really good thing and any episode any opening episode that's able to do that i think deserves deserves mention um so yeah, that's why I picked the first episode of Goblin Slayer. Did I think it was the best, the the best individual episode of the year? Probably not, but it's definitely the one that got the most amount of people talking. It, uh... I would argue that it was more the fact that Crunchyroll didn't rate their shows that contributed to the conversation. Oh that that oh yeah you I mean there, you could have an entire discussion about what caused the the conversation, but the fact is a conversation happened. 
We could probably do an entire episode of the podcast about whether anime deserves to be rated or not. But anyway, uh, moving on. So, Chinoda and Natai, you both chose the exact same episode from the exact same show. We did, Mm. because holy fuck, it was one hell of an episode. Yeah. So, what show is it and what episode is it so we can do a spoiler alert? Violet Evergarden. Bitch. (laughs) <laughs> you were supposed to say episode God damn it. Why don't you have Super <laughs> City, uh like me and show, huh? Talk anyway, it's episode me. 10 of Outlet Evergarden. Now, I'll say this. This episode is, and Shochan will agree with me, is, uh, A, it's amazing how standalone-ish it is. B, god damn, does it tell a compelling story in only 20 minutes. Like, holy shit. It's good bitch cry I material. Cried. I'll say that. Holy fuck, mm-hmm. you! It will make you bitch cry because. And again, it's so well directed. It's so well acted. It's so well edited. It's so it just twenty twenty four minutes of just perfection. I it's would say so it was the good. best episode of that whole series, if anything. Yeah, yeah, I'm there with you. Yeah, well, I would definitely agree with that. Also, can we just point out, we're going to talk about, well, Natai will specifically later, but Yui Ishikawa is just, like, it's almost like this role was made for her. Mm-hmm. I, I, I sort of realized that after this episode. Mm-hmm. She, it, yeah. she, yeah, I, I don't want to think about it anymore. <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay, I guess I'm going to have to speak of the rest of it. So, <laughs> episode uh, 10 of Violet Evergarden had Violet go up to a what was it a mountainside or something? No, uh, she no, went it's off when to a she remote. Went to the pla- mother. Yeah, no, I, I was just trying to remember the setting. Um, she went to a remote setting to a remote house, uh, where a mother, uh, and her daughter lived, and the contract was for Violet to uh write letters Spoilers. for the for the sick mother. And you don't know why or who she's writing a letter to, but you constantly get the little girl wanting to play with uh, her mother. And since Violet, a new face uh, in the household, is there, she wants to play with uh, her too. And it's rather sweet uh, towards the whole time. And sometimes it's a... you get a little bit of a hint. It's a little bit sad, but you don't get too much of it. But then... At the end, once uh, Violet leaves, she reveals she was writing letters to the daughter from the mother uh, for her birthday every year because the mother was dying. My God. Open you the waters. Just Open the floodgates. The floodgates. Good God. The music, the art, and then the narrative. The narration that happens from the uh, grown-up daughter, holy fuck. It, it's like taking a sledgehammer to your heart, because Jesus Christ, it's it will crushing. be crushed after that. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of want to cry now. Thank you, Violet Evergarden. <laughs> For screwing my day. <laughs> it was really sweet and really sad at the same time, and they... I don't know how they did it, but they man- masterfully did it. It was the episode of the show. Like, there was a lot of other great episodes, don't get me wrong. That whole show was just something else, but 
that episode. My God. All right. All right, let me zoom on to the next one. So, the next award we're giving out is Best Animation Show. What do you got? Uh, well, I'm giving it to <clears throat> Attack on Titan 3, obviously. Surprise, surprise. Because, I, you know, Attack on Titan is underrepresented in this uh, anime award. Yeah. We didn't just talk about it. Uh, we need to mention it again. Okay. Um, but seriously, the Sakuga in Attack on Titan Season 3 is unbelievable like it's the best sakuga that the attack and titan franchise has had um and like no other show can compare honestly the point of view of just flying around shooting people like that is that is just so incredible like my jaws dropped the entire scene like it is it just it's just amazing it was rather um, fantastic episode, animation episode two, yeah episode two is chasing oh my god incredible. episode two oh it's so funny because like if you write on paper the scenes um and like what happens in the scene there's so many other scenes in attack and titan that you think would be hype as fuck because of what happens but then this this like relatively generic chase scene they animated so well and then just because it's animated like crazy well it's so hype and it stands out so much and it's pretty it's pretty uh crazy yeah uh but yeah besides the sakuga the character designs are beautiful as always and um the animation of just the normal scenes are also really smooth um, Attack on Titan is polished AF, and really nothing can compete, honestly. So, yeah. Well, as something that absolutely can compete on every individual level, uh, <laughs> I'm going to give I'm going to give Best Animation Award to Violet Evergarden. As I mentioned before, the the water animations in Violet Evergarden are absolutely stunningly beautiful. It's some of the most beautiful water I've ever seen in anime. Period. Um, and it's just like like just watching the characters like facial movements and stuff you get there's so much that you can see emotionally in all of the characters faces and it's it never it never drops off throughout the entire show like that there's no animation quality dip in violet evergarden even after the the 14th special episode even that had great animation in it which is honestly oh. surprising like they managed to keep it beautiful consistently yes. it was always so pretty and so gritty when it was presenting that side of the anime it was it was so surprising that they managed to do it but at the same time fantastic like i yes. still don't understand how they managed to keep it so consistently beautifully animated it's called throwing a bunch of money at animators <clears throat> Feed your animators, kids. Um, yes, feed your animators. Then <laughs> um, something else that I thought Violet Evergarden did really good in the animation department when they do the flashbacks to the war stuff. Like, there's such great attention of, to detail paid in the color palette that's being used uh, between what takes place in present day and the flashbacks to the war, and almost to the point where you almost think you're looking at a slightly different animation style. And I thought that was a really great contrast between, you know, the past and the present. Um, and it also like that, that whole animation style really show 
as the show itself went on, really kind of showed how much that Violet Evergarden was kind of growing and learning. Um, I just thought like to, to, to do that in a story is, is all well and good, but to do that like through almost animation alone, I thought was a really good achievement. Anyway, that's why I picked Violet Evergarden for best animation. Chinoda, what do you got? I picked, surprisingly enough, Hina Matsuri. Simply because they they knew when to animate things just right when it came to the comedy scenes. And I, my god, I appreciate that. I had so many laughs just because they managed to animate the most bizarre things, the most bizarre faces, and the actions characters took. It was hilarious, and they managed to uh, pull it all together, and I loved them for doing that. Yeah, it's got great animation for a comedy. Like it's almost kind of reminiscent of how KyoAni did. Um... The name has escaped me. Jesus Christ. Uh, Nichijou. Uh, Nichijou, thank you. Yeah. God, yes, it's almost reminiscent of how Nichijou's animation budget was like through the fucking roof. And like Hina Matsuri was kind of the same way. Yeah, and like it wasn't just the comedy scenes either. It was all the other scenes as well. They, it wasn't a one-off thing. They consistently animated it really well. Yeah, and I appreciate that. And it it was definitely a treat for the eyes. All right, Natai, what did you choose? Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, but shit, it's not anime, Well, <laughs> Wait, wait, no, no. You la- we, we all laugh at that, but that's probably going to win the Oscar for that's Best the Animated be- Feature. Listen, that's the best-looking animated movie I've seen in a long time. But anyway, uh, the second biggest thing after that is obviously Batman Ninja, because God bless Kamikaze Doga. Remember those CG openings JoJo used to have? Well, guess what? The people who made that decided, oh, well, we'll make a... Batman movie in the same art style but it's about Batman going back and being a ninja in feudal Japan cool um, this movie is uh, primarily CG, CG there's some moments of 2D animations but it's like just, 90% CG uh, what are you talking about it's incredible it's so bizarre it's so amazing it's great I mean it's on Netflix right now go watch it if you haven't it's god the animation is so good um, yeah. Can, can I just say that, like, uh, okay, so Batman Ninja is, it looks beautiful. It sounds beautiful. God, mm. the story is so bizarre. I don't know. It's so dumb. It's, it's just like a one off uh, story, and that's all it was. It was. It's so yeah. stupid, but it's so much fun. <laughs> it's obviously not Batman canon. It's just basically people having fun with Batman, which is fine. Also, it, it's, it's perfectly fine. Also, awesome character designs. Oh my god, yes. Yeah. Yeah, go, yeah, definitely go watch Batman Ninja. It is worth the watch. Specifically, I would say for the visuals. All right, next award the Kimono Friends Award for Biggest Industry Fuckery. Oh, God. (laughs) All right, show, the stage is yours. Yeah, because I have no clue what the hell. Yeah, well, I've talked about this before on the podcast, but uh, I've chosen the Voltron Legendary Defender panel at San Diego Comic-Con this year, or last year, since we're recording in 2019. Um, Spoilers for Season 7 of Voltron, if you haven't watched it, or uh, 
if you don't care, then you don't care. So, um, if you didn't know, uh, a large portion of the Voltron fan base um, have uh, gay ships for the characters. Um, so, no. in uh, the 2018 uh, panel, the showrunners revealed that one of the characters is gay and would be uh, they would be introducing uh, a gay significant other for that character um and it got the fan base hyped up and they're like oh my god this is finally happening and then when the season actually premiered um nothing was explicit they were portrayed as friends and then halfway through the gay love interest uh, died um and then we never see him again because he died so (laughs) clearly (laughs) There's a lot of backlash. Like, why did you bother promoting it and making a big deal out of it if you were just going to shove it under the rug? Like, and also you wouldn't have known it was a gay love interest because it wasn't shown in the actual show. You just told us that it was. So why did you do that? Anyways, either way. So it's basically like they hyped up a cop out. (laughs) Yeah. Actually, no, honestly, I think it was like there was, uh, there was multiple like the production team and the actual animating team were just like there's different things and some people wanted to do it some people didn't i don't know what happened but that like it was a mess and the fan base was not happy and uh that was um some fuckery that i thought was interesting uh last year all right so myself and chinoda have chosen the uh exact same thing so oh god uh, i don't want to talk about it (laughs) <laughs> well, so we won't cancerous. talk about it for very long because that's how stupid it is. And we've uh, we actually we've already donated uh, or donated. <laughs> we've already used uh, another podcast episode to kind of talk about this. But um, so Crunchyroll came out uh, in the summer of 2018 and said that they were going to start producing what they called Crunchyroll Originals, um, which was going to be anime that was being done sort of, I guess you could say, in-house or as close to in-house as you could get, um, which in and of itself is not it was not what the real issue was. It was what the first anime that they actually announced they were going to be making was. And this was an anime that they called High Guardian Spice. Now, if they had just announced it and gave the actual premise of the show, that probably wouldn't have created a bunch of backlash. But what ended up creating a bunch of backlash was the very, um, shall we say, pandering that it tried to do to both people who consider themselves feminist and LGBT. Um, because you know anime is not about pandering we don't no, do that not at all not at all um and then it also came out that i the don't person even know who... what pandering is <laughs> 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 and then it also came out jesus christ and, and then it also came out that the the person who uh uh was working on the principal person in charge of production of this particular anime, High Guardian Spice, has in the past basically said some very anti-male things, and it just made people kind of go back and say, "Was this really the person Crunchyroll wants representing them?" And it's like it it, it devolved into this whole thing, and then of course also it it, it became like a critique of Crunchyroll's like. Uh, service of how they're not they're putting money towards this but not putting money towards in you know building up their infrastructure and making it better and then it just kind of snowballed from there and just everyone got involved in this 
uh and it was just, it was a fucking shit show from the from the outset so it it will be high guardian spice is supposed to come out sometime this year it will be very interesting to see the actual like fallout from this once that once that anime actually premieres god i can't wait to see it crash and burn i'm so excited <laughs> to see it fail i oh really oh no no <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not. I, I won't say fail, but I, I won't. I won't say I'll be too disappointed if it blows up in Crunchyroll's face. Listen, anyway, they still high. need to work on their infrastructure. I am still having to this day. I am still having problems with their app on uh, the Xbox One because half, uh, not half the time, but it sometimes just straight up does not work, even though it'll work literally everywhere else like you know what all right no 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 stop 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 no ranting no ranting Genoda. bad sorry we can we can talk about this on another podcast this is not the time the tie foment my mouth later my pick for this award is attack on titan season three being split because oh shit like we didn't already the anime industry is fucking crashing around in front of us uh listen I love anime and all, but goddammit, this industry needs to just get its, sh- get its shit together or something. It's ridiculous that, of all shows, Attack on Titan is getting split cores because it just... The production is just a mess. I mean, it, this is just like... It, in case anyone was run- wondering, this is proof that something is just gigantically wrong with this industry. I mean, also, I mean, worth pointing love. worth pointing out that this was not the first time it's happened. It probably won't be the last. Um, if this is but also this is a not, high profile show. This yeah, isn't number, not only show. is it a high profile show, it happened with a high profile anime studio. That I mean, Studio Wit has never had seemed like they've had difficulty getting money together. Yeah, no, they, I don't know. They've been making money, and like, I mean, you would think so at least with the amount of uh merchandising they've done well i, I mean, mean still with always it, i mean if you go back to like the broad the broadcast um um and versions of most of like at least passes of attack on titan they were rough around the edges and there were some a lot of like every production of each season of attack on titan was messy if you can go back and check check like interviews and stuff they were messy like the last episode of this season of Attack on Titan, like if you look at the staff, you can tell that just it's a mess, and it's just it boggles my mind that such a high-profile show that is so popular still can get away from like all of the like just bullshit that's involved in this industry when it comes like just mess of schedule and animators just not getting any sleep and not getting paid enough. It's Ridiculous. Or just not getting paid at all, getting paid with IOUs, which we found out actually happens earlier last year. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's just yeah, bullshit. I'm sorry. I think I think this whole thing of splitting seasons that have already been announced to be like 20 plus episodes, I think it highlights a, a, a bigger issue in the industry that probably needs to be dealt with sooner rather than later. And we should probably actually do an episode of the podcast about this at some point. I would Eventually. also like to say that splitting a season is an oxymoron because once the season ends it's a next it's a different season I mean, don't even don't even with me true but the point is that it was already announced to be a certain length and then they're saying oh no never mind we're gonna have a space in between this and it's like that wasn't planned you're gonna seem you're gonna because play it off as if it were planned but it wasn't soon enough that's why they split it yeah 
yeah. I mean, but and the thing that kills me is all of these studios played off is like, oh, this was planned all along. Like, no, it wasn't. Shut the fuck up. Anyway, moving on. Like I said, we need to talk about this in another episode of the podcast. Anyway, moving on. Our next award is Best Character Design. Show, go. I gave it to Tsurune Kazemaiko Kyudobu, which is basically the archery anime. Yeah, thank you. you said um, bless you. <clears throat> had a little something in my throat. Um, but uh, I gave it to this because uh, the boys are super cute. They're basically like um, Kyo Annie boys, which... You know, Kyo Annie, the only Free. Sh- yeah, but like that's not typical Kyo Annie because like when you see a typical Kyo Annie show, the boys are like like blobs. Are like then, afterthoughts? No, in a good way. Like they're cute blobs. They're, they're not blobs. afterthoughts. I don't know how to say it. They're like they look like blobs on a body. Their faces are a well, their entire body. It's a the face is a blob and then the body is a blob. It's like really chibi, you know. They're like blob people. And then, <laughs> but in free, they were super muscular and like toned and like skin was taut and they were like. I am a model and I book like five uh, photo shoots a night. I'm like, okay, honey. But I mean, that's great and all, but like, I want the blob people back. And you know, <laughs> I got the blob people. <laughs> with I the want the blob anime. people back. Yes, Is this like the a blob slime people. spoiler cast? Why are we talking about blobs? Slime spoiler cast. Oh my God. <laughs> no, but like, I love Kyo Annie's uh, style that they animate for guys. And uh, now that they have a full cast of blob men, um, I'm very happy with uh, their choices. <laughs> that's, all right. that's all. All right. Well, I actually chose another KyoAni show for this award. I chose Violet Evergarden. So one thing that KyoAni has been kind of uh, accused of over the years, and it's not, and it's not an unfounded accusation, it is that in many of their shows, especially many of their shows that have an all or mostly female cast is their characters tend to uh, suffer from what's known as same face. Whereas you could literally just take the hair off of one character and put any kind of other hair on there. And you can make one character look like any other character in the show. Again, this is not completely unfounded in, in KyoAni's case throughout the years. I think that's one thing that Violet Evergarden, as I mentioned before, did a really good job at where every single character seems to have an individual design, an individual style, um, and they definitely are, you can tell them all apart. Um, I also think that, although I, I hate using this term when you're talking about anime, the costume design of the characters is was really, really good in uh, this this show. Uh, every, like I said, every single person has a unique style. It definitely reflects the sort of era that they're trying to say that this takes place in, where it's sort of, I don't know if you'd call it steampunk, but I guess it kind of is. It definitely um, had the aesthetic of it. Yeah, I mean, it's not like full-blown steampunk, but there's certainly elements of it, and I thought that it did that really well in their character designs, especially with Violet Evergarden's hands. Um, and, yeah, I just... That's that's why I chose this. So, Chinoda. I chose the Ancient Magus Bride for best character design because everything was artfully done. Speci- uh, the character specifically, I mean. When you look at a character, you can you can get a sense of who they are just from looking at them. Their personality the way they uh, speak, just 
all of that. And I really appreciated the show for that. Even more so when uh, characters had uh, different transformations uh, in the show. It was still artfully done. It was, Even if it was grotesque or horrifying, it was beautiful in an unnatural way. And I really appreciated that. And I uh, and just to say this, Skeleton Husbando, not to be confused with Bone Daddy, it just ooh, look on him. There can be only one Bone Daddy. There can only be one Bone Daddy, but there can be a Skeleton Husbando. All right, Natai. Yes. So. Yes. Trigger's always Natai been good. <laughs> Trigger's always been good with designing really awesome characters. I mean, at least we get plenty of them. But specifically, Dolly and the Franks, I, I felt like had a very, very like well-designed cast in terms of how they all felt they all belonged in the same world. Now, it may, may sound like it's kind of like obvious, but not really. Like, think about it. You have like all of these high school children and these big-ass robots, and they still feel like they belong to each other. So... Even the main cast, even though they have, like, school uniforms, they all, like, they look different, they feel fresh and new, and, of course, the mech design is just wonderful. It's it's kind of weird, like, they look very, like, you know, that the mechs have tits and ass, that's strange <laughs> as fuck, but it still looks good, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, also, like, the monster design was pretty dope. And yeah. Not gonna lie, I haven't finished the show, but from what I've seen, the design itself is just incredible. I, I mean, the, the character designs don't really change. It's still gonna be trigger as fuck. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's my pick. All right. Uh, okay, so I want to blow through the next three, uh, the three awards as quick as possible because I know Natai really needs to go soon. Yeah. I, <laughs> it's I also like 3 a.m. or nearly 3 a.m. for him. <laughs> so. Yeah. All right, so our next award is gonna be best male character. Show, what do you got? Ken Kaneki from Tokyo Ghoul Re, you know why. Re! <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> ah! Stop. So cancerous. So much edge on that pick. <laughs> Alright, so my choice is Rei Kiriyama from March Comes in Like a Lion, Season 2. If you watched our award show from last year or you watched Natai and I's uh, spoiler cast for March Comes in Like a Lion, you already know why Ray Kiriyama is an absolute cinnamon roll and just bless just him. Bless him. Choda. The good lord himself, Heinz Ulgaun from Overlord. Oh, daddy. Natai. Great choice. Natai. Yes, mine is Kotorushe Tatsumi from Zombie Side because goddamn Mamoru Miyano sure has some range. I mean. Mamoru Man, Miyano I playing as himself was something guy. else. Exactly. Yes. I, the I best thing. The best thing about that character. So many times. I died in laughter so many times because of this guy. And during, like, and at the end of the show, it's hinted that he has, it's, like, there's more to it than meets the eye. Please give me a second season. Ugh. Yes. Oh man. And just, I would like to point out if you haven't go, if you haven't seen it yet, go watch uh, Mamoru Miyano playing the character of Kotaro from that show in the PV. It's absolutely phenomenal. Best uh, female right, character so, show. Go. Yes, best female character. Uh, Historia Rice from Attack on Titan because she's a bad bitch and she will cut a hoe. Hell fucking yeah! Independent woman. 
You can also use rice to dry out electronics. <laughs> uh, She'll dry you uh, out. So, <laughs> well, maybe. Um, all right. So for best female character, I chose Makia from Makia when the promised flower blooms. Best mom, unequivocally, hands down. Uh, you can't change my mind. Literally best mom ever in anime. Will bitch cry to 10 out of 10. Will bitch cry 11 out of 10. <laughs> 11 out of 10. Okay, then. Good. <laughs> All right, Shinoda. Best female character, AO2. The first form of uh, Zero 2. The my one God. you should never lose. The one you should never lose. She has a special place in my heart next to Kana for never being looted. And Komi. Let's not forget Komi. And Komi. The, the goddess empress herself, yes. <laughs> Alright, Natai. Violet Evergarden. That I... Watching her just grow as a person, learning to understand what her, what she felt and being able to put it into words was an incredible journey. Yui Shikawa is amazing. God bless their soul. Yes. Alright. So the next award is the Robert E.O. Speedwagon Memorial Award for Best Bro. Man, there were so many good choices this year, but show what do you got? I got uh, Hideyoshi Nagachika from Tokyo Ghoul Re. Um, After so yeah. much suffering, he still b- stayed by my man's side. I love that man. Fucking Hideyoshi. <laughs> Thank you. That's <laughs> perfect. I think you just took the words right out of his mouth. Yep. And that's appropriate. Right. That's actually a pun, but we'll move on. <laughs> wait, is wait, wait, hold on. Is this the one that is the responsible for your current nickname on our Discord server? Correct. Okay. See, I remember. <laughs> I haven't watched a Red Tokyo Ghoul, but I remember that. <laughs> Good job. Funny. All right. So uh, myself and Chinoda have chose the best person, the only person really for this award, and that is Goro, aka GoPro from Darling oh, in the Price. I fucking AKA love that bro. <laughs> I'd be best friends boy. with him 10 out of 10. That's my boy. That's my teammate. Oh my god. <laughs> he deserved so much better. Oh, he did. Oh, man. Uh, just Goro. Goro is GoBro. That's all you need to know. He was Natai, such a fantastic Why did you not person. choose this, you fucking cuck? No, no, no. A, Simon. Bro. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, Simon, Simon. isn't bad. Yeah, Simon Bowman from Castlevania is the best of bros. I I, I just want to get him, go through like all the bars in the city and just get fucked, dude. I want to get drunk with this man. He's God such damn, a, a fucking asshole, but my God, he's is he lovable. He's such a bro. The best bros are assholes. God <laughs> yes. damn. I do his yes. asshole. Whoa. Um, <laughs> whoa. Okay, moving on. Moving on. Shut up. Shut up. All right. Moving on, next uh, the next award we're doing is Best Voice Acting Show. I've chosen Yuki Kaji as Nishikata from Skill Teaser Takagi-san because um, Yuki Kaji has an adorable voice and he's getting teased for 12 straight episodes. So uh, <laughs> what can I say? It's very cute. The moans and groans right. he I mean- did was simply adorable. Yes, and we just found out this week that Skilled Teaser Takagi-san is getting a second season. Fucking hype! Yep. All right. So I chose uh, uh, Manaka Iwami's performance as Makia for Makia When the Promised Flower Blooms. Uh, I know, right? You know, you get on to me, but you have a lot of Violet Evergarden on your list. I know, I know, I know. (laughs) Uh, um, I just, the, the, the very emotional portrayal she gave from, like, 
from the very beginning to the very end and just watching her, the bevy of emotions that she's able to portray throughout the entire show from melancholy to uh, just depression to absolute happiness to joy to glee to to just ah uh, it's so good and she just does all these emotions so well in her vocal performance and ah oh, god just go watch Machia. <sighs> Anyway, Jinoda uh, and Natai, you both chose the same person. I first want to give shoutouts to Bakugo from MHJ because there's this one scene in Season 3 that really broke my heart. And if you've seen the end of Season 3, you know what I'm talking about. Like, the guy who... People give him shit, but the guy who voices him, which I, for the life of me can't remember his name, really nailed that one scene where he just kind of cracks and it's amazing. He nails but the yes, character very beautifully, I agree. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, Yui Ishikawa, I've said enough about the character of Aldever going in this podcast, but amazing. Her portrayal of a child soldier that's learning to become human slowly, it's so amazing and heartbreaking. You so desperately get invested in the story, and she captures it so well with her voice, going from such a robotic tone to a actual human with such complex emotions yeah I, I almost think that first of all this is Yui Ishikawa's best performance ever I would I think you would you guys agree I, I honestly think <laughs> so yeah it's yeah. up there it's definitely yeah. up there. I, I, I also think that Yui Shikahu was literally born to play a role like this with the way she can the way she uses her voice to project emotion yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Definitely worthy of the award for sure. All right. Next award we have is for best individual scene show. So I've chosen a scene from episode 12 of Tokyo Ghoul. I'm going to uh, describe why it is the best scene with spoilers. Also, uh, maybe potential spoilers. Yes, yeah, spoilers for Tokyo Ghoul Re episode 12. Um, so the scene I've chosen is when Kaneki uh, is, is uh, doing a flashback remembering um, his memories with his mother and um, the whole character of Kaneki is very pivotal around his mother in season one. We see her as a hardworking single mother who's um, like slowly dying because she's malnourished and she's overworking, but she's always kind. She's always optimistic. And then eventually she overworks herself. Uh, her uh, Kaneki's aunt, the mother's sister, um, like puts more work on her, like doesn't care about her, only tries to use her for her own gain. And the mother ends up overworking and dying. And um, that is the whole uh, reason for Kaneki's character of being um, wanting to take pain onto himself instead of causing pain to others and trying to be kind to people. That's the whole point of the character of Kaneki. And in this episode, we see that that um, depiction of the mother that we know as the base of Kaneki's character was all a lie. In reality, um, his mother abused him physically. Um, so this scene reveals that uh, Kaneki as the narrator of the story is an unreliable narrator and has been lying to the viewers and been giving us um, recollections of his mother that are erroneous and that his entire character is a lie and that from the beginning he was never a nice person even though he pretended to be he was just trying to um, imitate his mother in that he wanted to be nice and then kill himself 
um, not be nice because it's a good thing. So I thought that that scene for me in the manga as well, and I think it was really uh, well done in the anime, it really showed how... Um, it really it was the best scene I've seen in a long time because it basically flipped the entire character on its head and I thought it was a really well done um really well done um plot twist because the uh author did put in hints from the very beginning um that that Kaneki was lying so there was there was um there was foreshadowing for this plot twist all the way up. There's like so many uh, chapters, so many episodes, all the way up to this scene where you see that everything you've been watching was a lie and the character you know isn't the person who you thought he was. So I really liked this particular scene. Wow, that was a really long description. I'm sorry. <laughs> Why don't you just give us every single character's backstory while you're at it? Oh, man. All right, so the scene that I have chosen is a scene called Good Mothers Don't Cry. It's also sometimes called uh, Makia Breaks Her Promise from uh, the final scene of Makia when the promised flower blooms. Um, I'm going to try and do this with as few spoilers as I can, but there might be some minor spoilers for Makia. Should I um, take off my headphones? That's up to you. <laughs> okay, tell me in the um, chat when, when, you're, when you're done with it because I... I I didn't know this was a fucking podcast specifically for you. Listen, fuck you. I don't want to go in. I don't want to know anything about it. Just do it. All right, fine. Tell me when to come back. All right. So the entire uh, movie of Machia is like a very slow buildup of feels like throughout. And like, you know, that something big is there's going to be a big payoff at the end. Um, One of the. uh, one of the lines that the main character Maki uses at toward the beginning when she first finds Ariel, this uh, character that she ends up adopting as her son, is that good mothers don't cry. And she says this a couple of times throughout the, the, the movie as Ariel is growing up. And that all the hardships she faces, she never, ever cries. Ever, ever cries. And then as the movie goes on, they just keep facing more and more and more and more hardships. And then she's she's not like cold and stone-hearted but she just never cries she steals her own emotions away like they're for her and then at the end when she finally has to say goodbye to someone that she cares very much about she uh she turns around looks at the house that they grew up in and says i'm about to break my promise and she just breaks down in tears and that's the final scene of makia and that's why it's the best scene ever because it will make you bitch cry like a motherfucker anyway that's it that's 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 my come back that's my choice for best scene yes chinoda come back in the meantime i'll tell about yes natai you go ahead and go i created this category for one reason oh my god i needed an excuse to talk about this scene so Alex and I already talked about it in our JoJo cast, but we waited two years for JoJo Part 5, and guess what? It was all worth it for one specific scene. You have three beautiful men dancing on a boat while torturing a, a decapitated head of a gangster. What a decapitated head that's still alive. That's still alive, by the way, yes. 
and it's glorious it's quintessential jojo and so much more and i absolutely adore it the music that they use for the dance is incredible the choreography is stupid and fun at the same time god damn do i love this thing I'm yes done. also also it's four panels in the manga that was that was stretched out to an entire 60 second scene thank you david pro thank you yes chinoda back yeah i'm here all right chinoda what was your best scene my best scene the summoning of the eldritch eldritch horrors that uh eins ulgaon did in overlord season three episode 12 oh my god my freakish goat babies i loved them <laughs> sacrificing are those so- like go ahead are those are like the back the black cg blobs that i keep seeing online <laughs> yeah. yeah those things <laughs> Just like oh, with God. like four hooves and like massive amounts of tentacles and just like running amok. So basically, okay. he, uh, Einzel Gown cast a super cell, uh, spell, if I remember uh, right, and s- destroyed, uh, not even destroyed, just flat out sacrificed a good portion of the enemy army and used that to summon like five or six um of these eldritch horrors and oh my god their sounds the terror of the men running away and on uh, uh the side he was fighting for of everyone being so scared oh it was magical i love the sheer gall of the man to summon these things into uh this world uh, it was great for me. Like this whole year, that scene has stuck in my has been stuck in my mind. I actually want to do a D and D scene based on that someday. All right then. Dope. <laughs> so the penultimate award that we have is the Rim Award TM for best seasonal waifu that we will forget when next year comes around. God, it's it's very wordy, but I love it. All right, show. <laughs> I chose Rindo Kobayashi, aka Vampire Cat Girl, from Food Wars: The Third Plate, Tatsuki Train Arc, because she cute. But who who who's gonna remember her? I don't she remember her now. She ain't Aruna. <laughs> she she cute, but she a bitch. She cute, but she ain't Aruna. Yep, that oh you damn straight. Or Megumin. <laughs> Fuck that yeah. bitch. Damn. <laughs> Damn. I'll fight you. I'll fight you right now. I swear to God, I will. I'll throw you on the ground. Okay, calm down. Calm down. Let's just. What's your choice, Alex? Who do you think is going to be forgettable? My choice. My choice of the most forgettable season waifu is Rika Takarada from SSSS Gridman. Fucking blasphemy. How dare you? Those thighs, though. Oh, the thighs were great. The thighs are great. But let me tell you something. About three or four seasons from now, no one's going to remember. No one's going to remember at all. Fuck you all remember. She has a special place in my heart. And her thighs. God damn it. Alright, Tenota, you picked someone who's coming back for a second season. Okay, to be fair, I picked this before I uh thought there would be a season two then we just found we just found out there'd be a season two so that was a surprise for me as well okay but i'm still sticking by my choice in the fact that takagi has already been forgotten how dare you 
She's already been forgotten. You don't see any art of her. That you don't see aid much, any Alex? talk of her. Nothing. That forehead just, ain't much. That, excuse me, excuse me. That forehead is beautiful. Like that forehead, like that's like a landing strip. Listen, for cum. that landing strip is long gone. Yo. No. Wait, hold on. What did I miss? I. Never mind. Good lord, I don't even want to know. I'm not repeating. Thank that. you, John, for including this at the beginning. <laughs> he won't. My he, pick, won't he won't make it this far. My pick is zero two because I don't care how much you like that character. I mean, I like her. She's fucking amazing. But people aren't going to say much about her because they're gonna be so focused on how they didn't like the show once it ended. People are gonna. People ain't gonna remember the character. They're gonna gonna remember the show they were disappointed in. I'm gonna <laughs> argue with the fact Giant that Space there's Lady. still fan art and uh, a bunch of other stuff surrounding her. Let's are talk still again out. December next year, Chinoda. Let's talk yeah. again. It's already next year. <laughs> God damn it. I said December. All right. All right, so that brings us to the final award of the Woo! episode. Yes, Woo! I know that Natai really wants to go because it's very I late for him. Pee. He also needs to pee very bad, so we're not going to keep him for much longer. So, uh, show what is your anime of the year pick? I chose Banana Fish because it's one of the There's few... There's bananas sh- and fish. There's no. There's actually no fish. Oh. I'm not, fish I'm not... taco. There's actually no fish taco either. But That's disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> um i chose this show because it's one of the few shows um in general that have like a conclusive ending um where it tells a full story from beginning to end probably because the manga is like 100 years old and they had like a bajillion years to adapt it properly so they finally did it um but yeah i thought it was a fun ride it was uh interesting full of action and I really think uh, it ended well. Yeah. I'm not going to go super into it, but like, I think it was a good close story um, from beginning to end. Uh, well told. Yeah. All right. Um, I am, I'm really surprised that you actually ended up choosing this, to, especially considering that you came to me about halfway through the show's run and said, this show's kind of stupid. Because it is stupid, but there's just. <sighs> Did you think that by the end it was a complete package and that's what redeemed it? No. <laughs> actually, actually, you know, we are we're gonna do an episode about anime endings uh, soon, and I you probably talk about it there, but you I think you said that basically the ending or the last few episodes really redeemed it for you. I really, really like the ending, and you could say it, it, I wouldn't say redeem it uh, because I still think that there's a lot of parts of Banana Fish that are bad, but. I did really like the ending, so it did change my opinion. Okay. When we actually do that episode, I'll ask you about it then, because I think that's more of an appropriate place to go into it. All right. So my anime of the year pick, it came down to two for me. It came down between Makia when the promised flower blooms and March comes in like a lion season two. Mm -hmm. Uh, After a lot of internal struggle, I eventually ended up choosing... Machia, when the promised flower blooms for my anime of the year, simply because it was as much of a roller coaster ride of emotions that March comes in like a lion has been and was throughout its second season. Uh, I don't think anything really compared to the just as I said before, the gut punch of feels that Machia provided in its final few scenes. Um, 
I thought that it was the it's just the directing, the the sound design, the the art style, just everything about it was just a complete package for me. The story was absolutely beautifully written. It had great dialogue, great voice acting, everything. Um, as I said before, do yourself a favor if you haven't had a chance to watch this movie yet. Please, please give it a shot, especially if you like really good emotional stories. All right, cool. Chinoda and Natai, you actually chose the same thing for your anime of the year. Chinoda, yes, you did. go first. I picked Wyla Evergarden. What'd you pick, Natai? Oh, Devilman Crybaby. No, no, no. It's Wild Evergarden. Of course, <laughs> it's Violet Evergarden. I'm going to yeah, punch Violet you Evergarden in the is like <laughs> Violet Evergarden is like the best show of this year. It grabbed me by the balls and didn't let go <laughs> just ever. Like, goddamn, it was... Same Grabbed you by the girl. balls and turned you into a tenor. Exactly. <laughs> Watching Violet, again, just grow as a person and just all the stories that she comes across, it's just so beautiful and it's just such a wonderful and heartbreaking journey. It's... Yeah. As I said earlier, the show is about a child soldier becoming a human and they did it so well and so beautifully and it's gonna uh, be around in my mind for a very long time and I'm definitely gonna be recommending it to a lot of other people just because of how fantastic this show is and I feel like it should gain so much more viewership Still, even as popular as it is, it should still gain more people. It should be spread everywhere just because of how fantastic it is. Yeah. Yep. Fair enough. All right. Well, that is that is all of our awards for 2018. Uh, that was a year. Move, that was a hell of a hell of a year. Um, so as we move into 2019, who knows what this year will bring? Uh, a lot of sequels. We do know that. Um, a lot of stuff from last year got announced to get second seasons. So that'll be very interesting um but before we do wrap up i do want to get everyone's thoughts on 2018 overall i do this at the end of every single year that we have done these award shows so uh in terms of 2018 and anime overall was it a good year for anime a bad year for anime or kind of just meh i think it was a great year for anime yeah really i would actually agree i I wouldn't say great it was definitely good i wouldn't maybe not great but definitely good I'd say there's more disappointments than there was. It was pretty good. You say that every year. I know, because I'm (laughs) always disappointed. Well, thank you for being consistent, I thought it was just a good year. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely being consistent in that regard, for sure. Impossible. Impossible to make happy. Uh, I actually, I thought thought overall it was a good year uh, for anime in general. um, Mostly because I think that throughout the year, each season was pretty... Uh, consistently ha- was consistently offered up something that was enough stuff that was good to keep me interested. Um, I think yep, if like I had to choose a single best season, probably winter, uh, because it was the, it had the most stuff that I both started and finished. Mm. Uh, even though summer had the most stuff that I started, but I ended up dropping like half the stuff I ended up starting in the summer. It was overall pretty good year, I think. Yeah, it was a good it's year. It's okay. It, it makes me it makes me hopeful for what 2019 will bring. There's some there's some good stuff coming, uh, and also some whether you think it's good or not, some live action anime adaptations coming. So brace yourselves for that. <clears throat> but anyway, that is a story for next year's award show. 
Thank you all for dropping in to listen to us throughout all of 2018. We hope you enjoyed it because we always enjoy bringing this stuff to you. If you want to check out previous episodes of the podcast, you can find us on YouTube, SoundCloud, and iTunes. If you want to keep up with what we're doing and have a little more fun, you can join our Discord server, become a member of our Facebook group, follow our Twitch channel, and visit our website. And as always, if you have any questions, comments, criticisms, or concerns on this or any episode, feel free to shoot us an email. Links to all these things that I mentioned above will be down below in the description. As always, I have been your host, Alex, and I will see you next time. Say goodnight, everybody. Good night, everybody, and a happy new year. Thanks for staying with us through the year. Little late for Happy New Year. It's high. <laughs> it's okay. I've got pee in my brain. Bye.